9. For now I certainly know that it was thou who slowest my brother, the black knight, Sir Arpereard, and overcame my brothers, the green knight, Sir Arpernolop, and the red knight, Sir Arpereimons, and since thou hast overcome me also, I will do thee homage and fealty, and place at thy command one hundred knights to do thy bidding. But when the damsel saw Sir Arpergent overthrown, she marveled greatly at the might of Sir Arbomains, and said, What manner of man may ye be? For now am I sure that ye be come of noble blood, and truly, never did woman revile knight as I have done thee, and yet ye have ever courteously borne with me, which surely never had been were ye not of gentle blood and lineage. Lady, replied Sir Arbomains, a knight is little worth who may not bear with a damsel, and so whatsoever ye said to me I took no heed, save only that at times when your scorn angered me, it made me all the stronger against those with whom I fought, and thus have ye furthered me in my battles, but whether I be born of gentle blood or no, I have done you gentle service, and peradventure will do better still, ere I depart from you. Alas, said she, weeping at his courtesy, forgive me, fair Sir Arbomains, all that I have missaid and misdone against you, with all my heart, said he, and since you now speak fairly to me, I am passing glad of heart, and methinks I have the strength to overcome whatever knights I shall henceforth encounter. Then Sir Arpergent prayed them to come to his pavilion, and set before them wines and spices, and made them great cheer. So they rested that night, and on the morrow, the damsel and Sir Arbomains rose, and heard mass, and when they had broken their fast, they took their leave of Sir Arpergent. Fair damsel, said he, whither lead ye this night, Sir or, answered she, to the castle dangerous, where my sister is besieged by the knight of the Redlands, I know him well, said Sir Arpergent, for the most perilous knight alive a man without mercy, and with the strength of seven men, God save thee, Sir Arbomains, from him, and enable thee to overcome him, for the Lady Lyons, whom he besieth, is as fair a lady as their life in this world, thou sayest truth, Sir or, said the damsel, for I am her sister, and men call me lined, or the wild maiden, now, I would have thee know, said Sir Arpergent to Sir Arbomains, that the knight of the Redlands hath kept that siege more than two years, and prolongeth the time hoping that Sir Lancelot, or Sir Tristram, or Sir Lamarcky, may come and battle with him, for these three knights divide between them all knighthood, and thou if thou mayest match the knight of the Redlands, shall well be called the fourth knight of the world. Sir, said Sir Arbomains, I would fain have that good fame, and truly, I am come of great and honorable lineage, and so that you and this fair damsel will conceal it, I will tell ye my descent, and when they swore to keep it secret, he told them, my name is Sir Agareth of Orkney, my father was Kinlod, and my mother the Lady Blacent, King Arthur's sister, Sir Gawain, Sir Agravain, and Sir Agahiris, are my brethren, and I am the youngest of them all, but, as yet King Arthur and the court know me not, who I am, when he had thus told them, they both wondered greatly, and the damsel line sent the dwarf forward to her sister, to tell her of their coming, then did Dame Lyons inquire what manner of man the knight was who was coming to her rescue, and the dwarf told her of all Sir Arbomain's deeds by the way, how he had overthrown Sir Aki, and left him for dead, how he had battled with Sir Lancelot, and was knighted of him, how he had fought with, and slain, the thieves, how he had overcome the two knights who kept the river passage, how he had fought with, and slain, the black knight, 
and how he had overcome the green knight, the red knight, and last of all, the blue knight, Sir Persian. Then was Dame Lyons passing glad, and sent the dwarf back to Sir Beaumains with great gifts, thanking him for his courtesy, in taking such a labor on him for her sake, and praying him to be of good heart and courage, and as the dwarf returned, he met the knight of the Redlands, who asked him whence he came. I came here with the sister of my lady of the castle, said the dwarf, who hath been now to King Arthur's court and brought a knight with her to take her battle on him. Then is her travail lost, replied the knight, for, though she had brought Sir Lancelot, Sir Tristram, Sir Lamarcky, or Sir Gawain, I count myself their equal, and who besides shall be so called. Then the dwarf told the knight what deeds Sir Beaumains had done, but he answered, I care not for him whosoever he be, for I shall shortly overcome him, and give him shameful death, as to so many others I have done. Then the damsel lined and Sir Beaumains left Sir Persian, and rode on through a forest to a large plain, where they saw many pavilions, and hard by, a castle passing fair. But as they came near Sir Beaumains saw upon the branches of some trees which grew there, the dead bodies of forty knights hanging, with rich armor on them, their shields and swords about their necks and golden spurs upon their heels. What meaneth this? said he. Amazed. Lose not thy courage, fair sir, replied the damsel, at this shameful sight. For all these knights came hither to rescue my sister, and when the knight of the Redlands had overcome them, he put them to this piteous death, without mercy, and in such wise will he treat thee also unless thou dearest thee more valiantly than they. Truly he useth shameful customs, said Sir Beaumains and it is a marvel that he hath endured so long. So they rode onward to the castle walls, and found them double-moated, and heard the sea waves dashing on one side the walls. Then said the damsel, See you that ivory horn hanging upon the sycamore tree? The knight of the Redlands hath hung it there, that any knight may blow thereon, and then will he himself come out and fight with him. But I pray thee sound it not till high noontide, for now it is but daybreak and till noon his strength increases to the might of seven men, let that be as it may, fair damsel, answered he, for were he stronger knight than ever lived, I would not fail him, either will I defeat him at his mightiest, or die nightly in the field, with that he spurred his horse onto the sycamore, and blew the ivory horn so eagerly, that all the castle rang its echoes, instantly, all the knights who were in the pavilions ran forth, and those within the castle looked out from the windows, or above the walls, and the knight of the Redlands, arming himself quickly in blood-red armor, with spear, and shield, and horses trappings of like color, rode forth into a little valley by the castle walls, so that all in the castle, and at the siege, might see the battle, be of good cheer, said the damsel line to Sir Beaumains, for thy deadly enemy now cometh, and at yonder window is my lady and sister, Dame Lyons, in good sooth, said Sir Beaumains, she is the fairest lady I have ever seen, and I would wish no better quarrel than to fight for her. With that, he looked up to the window, and saw the lady lions, who waved her handkerchief to her sister and to him to cheer them. Then called the knight of the Redlands to Sir Beaumains, Leave now thy gazing, Sir Knight, and turn to me, for I warn thee that lady is mine, she loveth none of thy fellowship. He answered, But know this, that I love her, and will rescue her from thee or die. Say ye so, said the Red Knight. Take ye no warning from those knights that hang on yonder trees, for shame that thou so boastest, said Sir Beaumains. 
be sure that sight hath raised a hatred for thee that will not lightly be put out, and given me not fear, but rage, sir knight, defend thyself, said the knight of the redlands, for we will talk no longer, then did they put their spears in rest, and came together at the fullest speed of their horses, and smote each other in the midst of their shields, so that their horses harness sundered by the shock, and they fell to the ground, and both lay there so long time, stunned, that many deemed their necks were broken, and all men said the strange knight was a strong man, and a noble jouster, for none had ever yet so matched the knight of the redlands, then, in a while, they rose, and putting up their shields before them, drew their swords, and fought with fury, running at each other like wild beasts now striking such buffets that both reeled backwards, now hewing at each other till they shore the harness off in pieces, and left their bodies naked and unarmed, and thus they fought till noon was past, when, for a time they rested to get breath, so sorely staggering and bleeding, that many who beheld them wept for pity, then they renewed the battle sometimes rushing so furiously together, that both fell to the ground, and in unchanging swords in their confusion, thus they endured, and lashed, and struggled, until eventide, and none who saw knew which was the likeliest to win, for though the knight of the redlands was a wily and subtle warrior, his subtlety made Sir Herbomain's wilier and wiser too, so once again they rested for a little space, and took their helms off to find breath, but when Sir Herbomain's helm was off, he looked up to Dame Lyons, where she leaned, gazing and weeping, from her window, and when he saw the sweetness of her smiling, all his heart was light and joyful, and starting up, he bade the knight of the redlands make ready, then did they lace their helms and fight together yet afresh, as though they had never fought before, and at the last, the knight of the redlands with a sudden stroke smote Sir Herbomains on the hand, so that his sword fell from it, and with a second stroke upon the helm he drove him to the earth, then cried aloud the damsel lined, Alas! Sir Herbomains, see how my sister weak had to behold thee fallen, and when Sir Herbomains heard her words, he sprang upon his feet with strength, and leaping to his sword, he caught it, and with many heavy blows pressed so sorely on the knight of the redlands, that in the end he smote his sword from out his hand, and, with a mighty blow upon the head, hurled him upon the ground, then Sir Herbomains unlaced his helm, and would have straightway slain him, but the knight of the redlands yielded, and prayed for mercy, I may not spare thee, answered he, because of the shameful death which thou hast given to so many noble knights, yet hold thy hand, sir knight, said he, and hear the cause, I loved once a fair damsel, whose brother was slain, as she told me, by a knight of Arthur's court, either sir Lancelot, or sir Gawain, and she prayed me, as I truly loved her, and by the faith of my knighthood, to labor daily in deeds of arms, till I should meet with him, and to put all knights of the round table whom I should overcome to a villainous death, and this I swore to her, then prayed the earls, and knights, and barons, who stood round Sir Herbomains, to spare the red knight's life, truly, replied he, I am loath to slay him, notwithstanding he hath done such shameful deeds, and inasmuch as what he did was done to please his lady and to gain her love, I blame him less, and for your sakes I will release him, but on this agreement only shall he hold his life that straightway he depart into the castle, and yield him to the lady there, and make her such amends as she shall ask, for all the trespass he hath done upon her lands, and afterwards, that he shall go unto King Arthur's court, 
and ask the pardon of Sir Lancelot and Sir Gawain for all the evil he hath done against them. All this, Sir Knight, I swear to do, said the Knight of the Redlands, and therewith he did him homage and fealty. Then came the damsel line to Sir Beaumains and the Knight of the Redlands, and disarmed them, and staunched their wounds, and when the Knight of the Redlands had made amends for all his trespasses, he departed for the court, then Sir Beaumains, being healed of his wounds, armed himself, and took his horse and spear and rode straight to the castle of Dame Lyons, for greatly he desired to see her, but when he came to the gate they closed it fast, and pulled the drawbridge up, and as he marveled thereat, he saw the Lady Lyons standing at a window, who said, Go by way as yet, Sir Beaumains, for thou shalt not wholly have my love until thou be among the worthiest knights of all the world. Go, therefore, and labor yet in arms for twelve months more, and then return to me. Alas, fair lady, said Sir Beaumains, I have scarce deserved this of thee, for sure I am that I have bought thy love with all the best blood in my body. Be not aggrieved, fair knight said she, for none of thy service is forgot or lost, twelve months will soon be passed in noble deeds, and trust that to my death I shall love thee and not another, with that she turned and left the window, so Sir Beaumains rode away from the castle very sorrowful at heart, and rode he knew not whither, and lay that night in a poor man's cottage, on the morrow he went forward, and came at noon to a broad lake, and thereby he alighted, being very sad and weary, and rested his head upon his shield, and told his dwarf to keep watch while he slept. Now, as soon as he had departed, the Lady Lyons repented, and greatly longed to see him back, and asked her sister many times of what lineage he was, but the damsel would not tell her, being bound by her oath to Sir Beaumains, and said his dwarf best knew. So she called Sir Agringamers, her brother, who dwelt with her, and prayed him to ride after Sir Beaumains till he found him sleeping and then to take his dwarf away and bring him back to her, and on Sir Agringamers departed, and rode till he came to Sir Beaumains, and found him as he lay sleeping by the water side, then stepping stealthily behind the dwarf he caught him in his arms and rode off in haste, and though the dwarf cried loudly to his lord for help, and woke Sir Beaumains, yet, though he rode full quickly after him, he could not overtake Sir Agringamers, when Dame Lyons saw her brother come back, she was passing glad of heart, and forthwith asked the dwarf his master's lineage. He is a kin's son, said the dwarf, and his mother is kin Arthur's sister. His name is Sir Agareth of Orkney, and he is brother to the good knight, Sir Gawain. But I pray you suffer me to go back to my lord, for truly he will never leave this country till he have me again. But when the Lady Lyons knew her deliverer was come of such a kinly stock, she longed more than ever to see him again. Now as Sir Beaumains rode in vain to rescue his dwarf, he came to a fair green road and met a poor man of the country, and asked him had he seen a knight on a black horse, riding with a dwarf of a sad countenance behind him. Yea, said the man, I met with such a knight in Aragon, and his name is Sir Agringamers. He lived at a castle two miles from hence, but he is a perilous knight, and I counsel ye not to follow him save ye bear him goodwill. Then Sir Beaumains followed the path which the poor man showed him, and came to the castle, and riding to the gate in great anger, he drew his sword, and cried aloud, Sir Gringamers, thou traitor, deliver me my dwarf again, or by my knighthood it shall be ill for thee. Then Sir Gringamers looked out of the window and said, Sir Gareth of Orkney, leave thy boasting words, 
for thou wilt not get thy dwarf again. But the lady lion said to her brother, Nay brother, but I will that he have his dwarf, for he hath done much for me, and delivered me from the knight of the redlands, and well do I love him above all other knights. So Sir Agringamers went down to Sir Agareth and cried him mercy, and prayed him to alight and take good cheer. Then he alighted, and his dwarf ran to him, and when he was in the hall came the lady lions dressed royally like a princess, and Sir Agareth was right glad of heart when he saw her. Then she told him how she had made her brother take away his dwarf and bring him back to her, and then she promised him her love, and faithfully to cleave to him and none other all the days of her life. And so they plighted their troth to each other. Then Sir Agringamers prayed him to soldier at the castle, which willingly he did. For, said he, I have promised to quit the court for twelve months, though sure I am that in the meanwhile I shall be sought and found by my lord King Arthur and many others. So he sojourned long at the castle, and on the nights, Sir Persiant, Sir Periamons, and Sir Perdolop, whom Sir Gareth had overthrown, went to King Arthur's court with all the knights who did them service, and told the king they had been conquered by a knight of his name Beaumains, and as they yet were talking, it was told the king there came another great lord with five hundred knights, who, entering in did homage, and declared himself to be the knight of the Redlands, but my true name, said he, is Ironside, and I am hither sent by one Sir Beaumains, who conquered me, and charged me to yield unto your grace, thou art welcome, said King Arthur, for thou hast been long a foe to me and mine, and truly I am much beholden to the knight who sent thee, and now, Sir Ironside, if thou wilt amend thy life and hold of me, I will entreat thee as a friend, and make thee knight of the round table, but thou mayst no more be a murderer of noble knights, then the knight of the redlands knelt to the king, and told him of his promise to Sir Beaumains to use never more such shameful customs, and how he had so done but at the prayer of a lady whom he loved, then knelt he to Sir Lancelot and Sir Gawain, and prayed their pardon for the hatred he had borne them, but the king and all the court marveled greatly who Sir Beaumains was, for, said the king, he is a full noble knight, then said Sir Lancelot, truly he is come of honorable blood, else had I not given him the order of knighthood, but he charged me that I should conceal his secret. Now as they talked thus it was told King Arthur that his sister, the Queen of Orkney, was come to the court with a great retinue of knights and ladies. Then was there great rejoicing, and the king rose and saluted his sister, and her sons, Sir Gawain, Sir Agravain, and Sir Gaheris knelt before her and asked her blessing, for during fifteen years last past they had not seen her. And on she said, Where is my youngest son? Sir Agareth, for I know that he was here a twelvemonth with you, and that ye made a kitchen knave of him. Then the king and all the knights knew that Sir Beaumains and Sir Agareth were the same. Truly, said the king, I knew him not, nor I, said Sir Agwain and both his brothers. Then said the king, God be thanked, fair sister, that he is proved as worshipful a knight as any now alive, and by the grace of heaven he shall be found forthwith if he be anywhere within these seven realms. Then said Sir Gawain and his brethren, Lord, if you will give us leave we will go seek him. But Sir Lancelot said, It were better that the king should send a messenger to Dame Lyons and pray her to come hither with all speed, and she will counsel where ye shall find him. It is well said, replied the king, and sent a messenger quickly unto Dame Lyons. When she heard the message she promised she would come forthwith, and told Sir Gareth what the messenger had said, and asked him what to do. 
I pray you, said he, tell them not where I am, but when my lord King Arthur get for me, advise him thus that he proclaim a tournament before this castle on Assumption Day, and that the knight who proveth best shall win yourself and all your lands. So the Lady Lyons departed and came to King Arthur's court, and there was right nobly welcomed, and when they asked her where Sir Agareth was, she said she could not tell, but, Lord, said she, with thy good will I will proclaim a tournament before my castle on the Feast of the Assumption, whereof the prize shall be myself and all my lands, then if it be proclaimed that you, Lord, and your knights will be there, I will find knights on my side to fight you and yours, and thus am I sure you will hear tidings of Sir Agareth, be it so done, replied the king, so Sir Agareth sent messengers privily to Sir Persian and Sir Ironside, and charged them to be ready on the day appointed, with their companies of knights to aid him and his party against the king, and when they were arrived he said, now be ye well assured that we shall be matched with the best knights of the world, and therefore must we gather all the good knights we can find, so proclamation was made throughout all England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, and Cornwall, and in the out isles and other countries, that at the feast of the Assumption of Our Lady, next coming, all knights who came to joust at Castle Perilous should make choice whether they would side with the king or with the castle. Then came many good knights on the side of the castle, Sir Epinodres, the son of the king of Northumberland, and Sir Palamides the Saracen, and Sir Grimor Grimersum, a good knight of Scotland, and Sir Brian de Isles, a noble knight, and Sir Caradus of the Tower Dolorous, and Sir Tristram, who as yet was not a knight of the round table, and many others, but none among them knew Sir Agareth, for he took no more upon him than any mean person, and on King Arthur's side there came the King of Ireland and the King of Scotland, the noble prince Sir Agalahot, Sir Gawain and his brothers Sir Agravain and Sir Agahiris, Sir Ewain, Sir Tor, Sir Perseval, and Sir Lamarki, Sir Lancelot also and his kindred, Sir Lionel, Sir Ector, Sir Bors and Sir Bedivere, likewise Sir Key and the most part of the table round, the two queens also, Queen Guinevere and the Queen of Orkney, Sir Agareth's mother, came with the king, so there was a great array both within and without the castle, with all manner of feasting and minstrelsy, now before the tournament began, Sir Agareth privily prayed Dame Lyons, Sir Gringamers, Sir Ironside, and Sir Persian, that they would in no wise disclose his name, nor make more of him than of any common knight. Then said Dame Lyons, Dear Lord, I pray thee take this ring, which hath the power to change the wearer's clothing into any color he may will, and guardeth him from any loss of blood, but give it me again, I pray thee, when the tournament is done, for it greatly increaseth my beauty whensoever I wear it. Grammarkey, mine own lady, said Sir Agareth, I wished for nothing better, for now I may be certainly disguised as long as I will. Then Sir Agringamers gave Sir Agareth a bay courser that was a passing good horse, with sure armor, and a noble sword, won by his father from a heathen tyrant, and then every knight made him ready for the tournament. So on the day of the Assumption, when Mass and Madden's word are said, the heralds blew their trumpets and sounded for the tourney, and on came out the knights of the castle and the knights of King Arthur, and matched themselves together. Then Sir Epinogres, son of the King of Northumberland, a knight of the castle, encountered Sir Ewain, and both broke off their spears short to their hands, then came Sir Palamides from the castle, and met Sir Ewain, and they so hardly smote each other, 
that both knights and horses fell to the earth. Then Sir Tristram, from the castle, encountered with Sir Bedivere, and smote him to the earth, horse and man. Then the knight of the Redlands and Sir Gareth met with Sir Bors and Sir Bleoberis, and the knight of the Redlands and Sir Bors smote together so hard that their spears burst, and their horses fell groveling to the ground, and Sir Bleoberis brake his spear upon Sir Gareth, but himself was hurled upon the ground. When Sir Galahudin saw that, he bade Sir Gareth keep him, but Sir Gareth lightly smote him to the earth. Then Sir Galahudin got a spear to avenge his brother, but was served in like manner. And Sir Adinadam, and his brother Locote Male Tail, and Sir Isagram Early Desirous, and Odinusly Savage, he bore down all with one spear. When King Anguish of Ireland saw this, he marveled what that knight could be who seemed at one time green and at another blue, for so at every course he changed his color that none might know him. Then he ran towards him and encountered him, and Sir Agareth smote the king from his horse, saddle and all, and in like manner he served the king of Scotland and King Urens of Gore, and King Bagdemagus. Then Sir Agalahot, the noble prince, cried out, Knight of the many colors, thou hast jousted well, now make thee ready to joust with me. When Sir Agareth heard him, he took a great spear and met him swiftly, and the prince's spear broke off. But Sir Agareth smote him on the left side of the helm, so that he reeled here and there, and had fallen down had not his men recovered him. By my faith, said King Arthur, that knight of the many colors is a good knight. I pray thee, Sir Lancelot du Lake, encounter with him. Lord, said Sir Lancelot, by thy leave I will forbear. I find it in my heart to spare him at this time, for he hath done enough work for one day, and when a good knight doth so well it is no knightly part to hinder him from this honor, and peradventure his quarrel is here today, and he may be the best beloved of the Lady Lions of all that be here for I see well he paineth and foreseeth himself to do great deeds, therefore, as for me, this day he shall have the honor, for though I were able to put him from it, I would not, you speak well and truly, said the king, then after the tilting, they drew swords, and there began a great tournament, and there Sir Lancelot did marvelous deeds of arms, for first he fought with both Sir Tristram and Sir Cardus, albeit they were the most perilous in all the world, then came Sir Agareth and put them asunder, but would not smite a stroke against Sir Lancelot, for by him he had been knighted, and on Sir Agareth's helm had need of mending, and he rode aside to see to it and to drink water, for he was sore thirst with all his mighty feats of strength, and while he drank, his dwarf said to him, Give me your ring, lest ye lose it while ye drink. So Sir Agareth took it off, and when he had finished drinking, he rode back eagerly to the field, and in his haste forgot to take the ring again. Then all the people saw that he wore yellow armor, and King Arthur told a herald, Ride and espy the cognizance of that brave knight, for I have asked many who the island and none can tell me. Then the herald rode near, and saw written round about his helmet in letters of gold, Sir Agareth of Orkney, and instantly the herald cried his name aloud, and all men pressed to see him. But when he saw he was discovered, he pushed with haste through all the crowd, and cried to his dwarf, Boy, thou hast beguiled me foully in keeping my ring, give it me again, that I may be hidden, and as soon as he had put it on, his armor changed again, and no man knew where he had gone, then he passed forth from the field, but Sir Gawain, his brother, rode after him, and when Sir Agareth had ridden far into the forest, he took off his ring, 
and sent it back by the dwarf to the lady lions, praying her to be true and faithful to him while he was away. Then rode Sir Agareth long through the forest, till night fell, and coming to a castle he went up to the gate, and prayed the porter to let him in, but churlishly he answered that he should not lodge there. Then said Sir Agareth, Tell thy lord and lady that I am a knight of King Arthur's court, and for his sake I pray their shelter. With that the porter went to the duchess who owned the castle, let him in straightway, cried she, for the king's sake he shall not be harborless, and went down to receive him. When Sir Agareth saw her coming, he saluted her, and said, Fair lady, I pray you give me shelter for this night, and if there be here any champion or giant with whom I must needs fight, spare me till tomorrow, when I and my horse shall have rested, for we are full weary, Sir Knight, she said, Thou speakest boldly, for the lord of this castle is a foe to King Arthur and his court, and if thou wilt rest here tonight thou must agree, that wheresoever thou mayest meet my lord, thou must yield to him as a prisoner. What is thy lord's name? Lady, said Sir Agareth, the Duke de la Rouse, said she, I will promise thee, said he, to yield to him, if he promise to do me no harm, but if he refuse, I will release myself with my sword and spear, it is well said the duchess, and commanded the drawbridge to be let down. So he rode into the hall and alighted, and when he had taken off his armor, the duchess and her ladies made him passing good cheer, and after supper his bed was made in the hall, and there he rested that night. On the morrow he rose and heard mass, and having broken his fast, took his leave and departed, and as he rode past a certain mountain there met him a knight named Sir Bendlane and cried unto him, Thou shalt not pass unless thou joust with me or be my prisoner. Then will we joust, replied Sir Agareth. So they let their horses run at full speed, and Sir Agareth smote Sir Bendlane through his body so sorely that he scarcely reached his castle ere he fell dead. And as Sir Agareth presently came by the castle, Sir Bendlane's knights and servants rode out to revenge their lord, and twenty of them fell on him at once, although his spear was broken. But drawing his sword he put his shield before him, and though they break their spears upon him, one and all, and sorely pressed on him, yet ever he defended himself like a noble knight, and on, finding they could not overcome him, they agreed to slay his horse, and having killed it with their spears, they set upon Sir Agareth as he fought on foot, but every one he struck he slew, and drave at them with fearful blows, till he had slain them all but four, who fled. Then taking the horse of one of those that lay there dead, he rode upon his way, and on he came to another castle and heard from within a sound as of many women moaning and weeping. Then said he to a page who stood without, What noise is this I hear? Sir Knight, said he, there be within thirty ladies, the widows of thirty knights who have been slain by the lord of this castle. He is called the Brown Knight without pity, and is the most perilous knight living, wherefore I warn thee to flee. That will I never do, said Sir Agareth, for I fear him not. Then the page saw the brown knight coming and said to Gareth, Lo, my lord is near. So both knights made them ready and galloped their horses towards each other, and the brown knight brake his spear upon Sir Agareth's shield, but Sir Agareth smote him through the body so that he fell dead. At that he rode into the castle and told the ladies he had slain their foe. Then were they right glad of heart and made him all the cheer they could and thanked him out of measure, but on the morrow as he went to mass he found the ladies weeping in the chapel upon divers tombs that were there, and he knew that in those tombs their husbands lo, 